As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Earth Keepers podcast. This episode is the second in a series for the month of September, all about the Great Awakening. What exactly is the Great Awakening? Well, it depends on who you ask. But a spiritual awakening in general is the experience of rising to another level of consciousness where we begin to seek our true selves, where we begin to realize that maybe a whole lot of things we were taught about through school, religion, and family belief systems don't align with our personal experiences and beliefs. It's an initiation onto a spiritual path. These personal awakenings have been happening to human beings for eons as people have sought enlightenment or nirvana here on earth or in the afterlife. But the process has always been somewhat isolating and internal. Unless you were initiated into a mystery school or spiritual organization that supported your awakening, and let's be honest, many of these groups and leaders across history haven't always been quite as pure and righteous as they promised, then most awakenings happen quite privately. But what happens when the vibration of the planet shifts to a level that suddenly initiates millions of simultaneous awakenings? When people all over the world simultaneously say, wait a minute, something's not quite right here. And instead of their family and friends looking at them like they grew another head, they also say, yeah, I'm having second thoughts about literally everything I thought was true. What happens then? That is when we have a great awakening. That's when it's impossible to push people aside and pretend like they're crazy or living in fantasy land. And on a global scale, it doesn't even take that many people awakening to shift the tide in our world. All the way back in 1975, a scientific study found statistically significant reduction in crime rates in 12 American cities when the threshold of 1% of the population was practicing transcendental meditation. What's now known as the 1% effect or the Maharishi effect, we know that it only takes 1% of the population to create a large field of positive energy in our collective consciousness. Countless studies have since proved this to be true. So how many people need to be awake to shift the vibration on the planet and get the Great Awakening going full speed ahead? Now, I have absolutely no idea, although I think we're already well on our way. But 1% of the 8 billion people currently on the planet is 80 million. And if that feels like way too big of a number, just think about how many people would be needed to create change just in your immediate community. The town closest to me has a population of around 5,000 people, which means we only need 500 who want to change it for the better. We have way more than that just show up for our 4th of July parade. So 
I think this is the perfect situation for the phrase, think globally, act locally. The world is awakening and it's going to look totally different on the other side. However, we're currently in a phase of dismantling anything that no longer matches this new frequency flooding into the planet. And that, on the surface, looks like a lot of death and destruction. Now, on last week's episode, I talked about coming face to face with death. Not just our own death, but the death of our family and friends and the need to get comfortable with the idea that our time in these bodies is temporary. In fact, I've been reading a book called LSD and the Mind of the Universe, which is super fascinating if you have an interest in psychedelics. But the author was sharing an experience where he had been able to understand space-time at a much larger scale. And he realized that from a planetary perspective, human life was actually built for speed. That when you take into account the lifetime of the Earth itself, or the mountains or ancient trees incarnated here for hundreds or thousands of years, that our human lifetime lasts for just the blink of an eye. 80 years or so passes in a moment. His perspective was to be incredulous about the substantial amount of energy and experiences we could process, heal, and transmute in such a short lifetime. And that, of course, our work at a soul level would be done over many lifetimes. That we begin projects in one life, that we finish in subsequent lives with the other souls who are working on these same projects with us. And when you think of it like that, it doesn't feel quite so urgent to accomplish it all right now. We're already moving at light speed, so no need to hustle any faster. We'll continue our work with our loved ones in other timelines. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we really need to talk about death from a planetary level. Because if there's one message I receive from people regularly, it's asking about what's really going on with all of the trauma at an Earth level. Why is there so much destruction? When will we stop doing all of these horrible things to the planet? What does the earth think about all of the extreme weather that's wreaking havoc? And those are all excellent questions we'll get to in today's discussion. But before we do that, let me give you a quick reminder. We are only about four weeks out from the Earth Tenders Academy live workshop in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. If you're feeling called to sink deeper into your connection with the earth, I really hope you will come join us. During this weekend, you'll connect with nature, your ancient ancestors, and your own personal guides to help bring forward your inherent gifts in this lifetime. You'll get to know the place you live on a much more intimate level and understand how you belong to it. And you'll learn and practice healing techniques specific to working with the land. And not only will we be practicing these skills and techniques throughout our two days together, but you'll also be part of the Earth Tenders Academy community moving forward, which means you can join us for our two monthly live calls every single month where we practice doing property readings and healing work. It's been two years since I've been able to host any live workshops or retreats, so I cannot wait to see you all in person. Tracy, who joined us for the last retreat here in Montana, said, It is amazing the interconnectedness when you get a group of people doing this work together. There are no other groups like this. And Sharon, who attended our magical event in the desert two years ago, said, this is the first course I've taken where I actually got to have the experience of what I was being taught and realized, I'm doing this. I can trust myself. 
And honestly, that's one of the first big hurdles we all face in doing this work, wondering whether or not we're even getting intuitive information or if we can trust it. And that's why I structure my classes and events the way that I do, so that you can build not just your skills, but also your confidence. Because when you have the experience for yourself in a supportive environment where you can explore and get feedback, you will be amazed at how quickly things unfold. So even if you've been doing energy work for years, the Earth Tenders Academy is structured to allow you to start wherever you are and then go deeper on your path. So you'll know if you're being called and you feel like you want to join us in Florida, and I'll see you there in just a few short weeks. There is a link in the show notes so you can learn more and register. Okay, now let's talk about what's going on with planet Earth through this great awakening. Because like everything in our multidimensional experience, there are many different perspectives, timelines, and outcomes happening simultaneously. And it's easy to get stuck in the timeline that we see with our physical eyes, because for us, that experience is often the one we believe to be the most real. And I get it. If your house burns down in a forest fire, it's pretty hard to tell your brain that it didn't happen or that you just want to be on the timeline where your house didn't burn down. We're getting closer to being able to create our realities in the snap of our fingers, but some are still a little harder for us to do in the physical than others. And what makes it even more difficult is the collective energy that gets built up to support one particular timeline. Because we've reached a point in our society where, for instance, we collectively agree that climate change is real. Oh, wait, we actually don't agree on that at all. So this is a good example to work with. And regardless of your personal beliefs on the subject, hang with me for a second, because we need a lot of flexible thinking to move into our multidimensional future. So the tighter you cling to a particular idea, the more challenging it will be to shift to what's next. You have to be open to more than just the two popular narratives on any particular subject if you want to create alternatives. So we have a large segment of the population that believes climate change is real. This group of people are collectively terrified right now. The earth is heating up at a pace never before seen by mankind, and the proof is in the extreme weather events we're witnessing. They believe that if humanity doesn't change its course and fast, the planet will become uninhabitable and we're all going to die. So this group of people feels responsible to warn the others and is pumping one message after the other out to anyone who will listen, trying to prove that it's true. And those who believe the messages are mostly paralyzed with fear. Maybe they change their spending habits to align with companies who share their values. Maybe they move to the woods to live off the land and not have a huge personal impact on the earth. But most people aren't sure what it is they're supposed to be doing about the problem. And so they don't do much of anything other than stay informed on the topic. Now, on the extreme other end, we have what's been labeled as the climate deniers. They ignore the very obvious science and research and side with the belief that the earth has always naturally warmed and cooled and there's nothing to worry about. This group of people is actively trying to counter the messages about climate change with their own scientific studies that back up their position. And the people that believe these messages don't feel compelled to do anything because there isn't a problem to worry about. So what do we have? A whole lot of people doing a whole lot of nothing. 
Meanwhile, could there be more happening than just these two narratives? Could both of these stories also be true? What if there are multiple options and you're deciding which one is happening based on where you put your energy? I personally have found that the universe honors your beliefs. So if you believe the world is going to end soon due to the carelessness of the greedy human race, you will begin to see examples of that everywhere. You'll be surrounded by news stories and social media messages supporting this belief. People in your life will talk to you about it. Events in your immediate surroundings will prove to you that it's true. You'll build a life where this is the only option possible because it's the only one you can see. It's an entire timeline created to support this idea. And the opposite will be true if you have an opposite belief. It's why it's so hard to change someone's mind about something once it's made up because they literally cannot see your perspective and everything in their environment is telling them the opposite. And I know you wanted to know if I thought the earth was living or dying. And here I am not answering your question. Although I can answer it, but you might not like the answer because it's doing both and also so much more. But we have to get into timeline talk to make this make sense because what's really at play here is a multitude of different timelines and realities. And if you need a reminder about how time and timelines work, go back to episode 10, what is time? But the answer is yes, the earth is dying or rather a version of the earth is dying. The version that's been attacked and polluted and manipulated for thousands of years is reaching its inevitable end, along with anything else that matches that vibration. But when I tuned in and asked about this dying version of the planet, it said to me, I'm not dying, I'm changing. And all of what we're witnessing as extremes in our environment is just an expression of emotions. Gaia said that these emotions are what change and transform her, just like our emotions do for us. They're a portal that carries us from here to there. And while the earth isn't experiencing emotions in the same way that we do, it's a way to relate to what we're experiencing. Part of why we're feeling so deeply pained about what we see happening to the earth is because we know that it's signaling a deeper change for us as well. The planet cannot change and transform and shift into what's next without humanity being tasked to do the same. And that scares us. So we react by holding on tight, by trying either to keep things the same or go back to what we perceive to be a better time in our past, or we just ignore the changes altogether and pretend that if we don't look, it's not happening or it won't happen to us. And there we have the two sides of the climate change discussion. Believe it or not, they're both doing the same thing deep down. Pretending like the earth isn't telling us to prepare for massive transformation by either trying to stop time or just ignoring it. Because we're scared. We can't see to the other side. We struggle to imagine other options. But I think the last year and a half has been slowly showing us how many other options there really are. What if you didn't have to go to work every day? What if you could be with your family more? What if you could live wherever you want? And when we believe that we have the opportunity to not just ask ourselves these questions, but begin to answer them, we stop going through the motions of everyday life and start to make changes that make our lives better, happier, 
And when we're in that place where we're happier and more content, we can start thinking about what else we want to create in our world. We actually believe that the world can look different. We see how fast the animals in nature return to the places where people had pushed them out, and we see how much of an important piece of the ecosystem we really are. And that is where we start building new timelines from. Instead of a rainbow and cloud-filled utopia, we start thinking about what it is we really want and need. And what's more important to us? Another eye thingy made in China with questionable labor standards and delivered across the ocean on a container ship polluting the ocean? Or finding a source of locally grown produce? Do you really need a big company holiday party for forced socialization with people you don't especially like and already spend too much time with? Or would you rather seek out and foster connections in your community with like-minded people? The more people asking and answering these questions, the more seeds are planted that will create totally new ways of living that we can't even imagine at this moment in time. The Earth said to me, we know you're scared, but the only way to the other side is through. She said, do you want to participate in creating something new? Or would you rather be dragged there? And if your answer is that you want to be an active participant, then the Earth said the way to do it is to start with our feelings. We have to sit with this energy of change. What is it you feel happening? What is it you're specifically being asked to do? And the message was very clear. Humanity is not doomed, but we are changing, just like the Earth. And If we let it change, we will see new places and animals and fungi and crystals be revealed that are needed for this newly emerging environment, which also means there'll be others who will go away that can no longer be supported or whose role on this planet has come to an end. They are participating in the Great Awakening too. They are not just innocent bystanders. And have humans caused a massive shift to the earth? Yeah, we have. And there will be some collective reckoning to do as we move through this next phase. But the earth and humanity will find its way to equilibrium. It always does. And right on time with this message, I noticed that Sandra Walter released a clip on her YouTube channel of a portion of Crystalline Convergence event that I attended in Sedona in June. I'll add a link to it in the show notes because I think you'll really love it. It was a discussion with shaman Kate Bednarski about the earth's galactic origins and the Crystalline Codex that Kate has been channeling. That story alone is worth the listen because it goes to show how new information is streaming into Earth, and it needs to be brought into reality here at this moment in time. She didn't really find herself to be an artist or have good penmanship and couldn't understand why she would be chosen as a scribe for these handwritten codes and symbols. But it's not about being the most perfect channel. It's about bringing the frequency through to be anchored in and assist humanity in making these shifts. So don't be afraid to follow the guidance that comes through for you. Even if it makes no sense or you think that there must be someone better for the job, nope, you are perfect, so just trust that. Anyhow, at the end of the conversation about the Codex, Sandra shares the wisdom that channeled through for her when she first heard about the Codex. And I'll share some of that with you if you don't have time to go listen to the whole thing, because I think it's important. And it's the perfect example of how we're helping each other awaken and remember what we said we would do here in this lifetime. 
Kate started channeling something that she didn't totally understand, but she did it anyway. Then she shared it with Sandra, and more codes unlocked in her as a result. They shared it at the event that unlocked codes in the 150 of us or so that were there, and now we're sharing it with others. So it's pretty amazing how fast we can create the new Earth, right? Okay, so here's what we shared about the Earth that I think is important to our overall discussion here. First of all, Earth is known in our solar system and beyond as the garden planet. But literally everything on Earth has been brought here from somewhere else in the universe. Every plant, tree, animal, and insect has been placed here as part of our planetary evolution and ascension. Certain things are here to assist in our awareness or are anchoring specific energies. Venus, one of our closest neighbors in the solar system, went through the ascension process first and then held a container for Gaia to do the same. And if you're familiar with Venusian energy, it's all about beauty and expansion and creativity and divine order. The plan is that Gaia would evolve over time into a spiritual sun all the frequencies that are flowing into the planet. The light being beamed from the sun does different things to each planet. So what's happening here is different from what's happening elsewhere in the galaxy. So from a much higher level perspective, where time doesn't exist, the masters can see all of the different timelines and how they could or would turn out here on Earth. They know exactly what we need here at different moments in time. So here are just a few things that have been planted on Earth to shift the vibration. First, the redwoods, which were sent here from Venus. If you've seen them in person, you understand how transcendent their energy is. They're holding an incredibly high vibration and are fairly indestructible. They're so enormous and live for such a long time that even in our tree-slashing past, we could see that there was something special about these trees and more or less left them alone. And so they're still here, anchored deep into the crystalline beds of the earth, bringing the Lemurian wisdom up to the surface for us in this moment in time when the vibration is so needed. Some of the other gifts from Venus include white, fragrant flowers like gardenia and jasmine. The frequencies from these scents really open our hearts. They've also gifted eagles to this planet, which Makes so much sense. When are you ever not transfixed by seeing an eagle? We have them here in Montana, and it doesn't matter how many years go by. I am never tired of seeing them. We point them out every time we see them because it just feels so special. Because they are. They are not an accidental symbol of freedom in this country. They are encoded with Venusian frequencies to remind us of our inherent freedom as humans. And I know you all are going to love this as much as I did. But birds in general are gifts to the earth from the ascended masters. Birdsong actually activates our DNA. How amazing is that? We're just walking around every day getting unconsciously activated by the birds in our surroundings. So cool. And finally, no surprise at all, is the rose. It has been used as a symbol for generations because it is a universal light signature across all of the realms. It just happens to be expressed in form here on Earth as a beautiful plant. But no wonder rose is the highest frequency plant on the planet. It is here for our collective awakening. 
Roses are keepers of the frequency of freedom that allow us to access our divine nature. Now, I assume your mind is exploding in a million directions right now, just like mine did when I first heard this, but I want to bring it back to the point of this discussion. First, how activating this information is. And as I already mentioned, we're assisting each other in this remembering process. So bring these messages through and share them, whatever it is you're receiving, because this is the how behind creating what's next. But on a deeper level, to show you that we're being provided on this planet exactly what we need to go through this process of ascension and evolution. You personally don't have to worry about the world ending and how to stop it. Many other fragments of your soul are hard at work with billions of other souls on the higher levels orchestrating it all. It's our job to receive and implement the messages coming through for us. So if the message is to consume less plastic, great, do that. Eat less meat, great. Eat more meat, perfect. Move to another city, state, or country, don't be afraid. Start putting the wheels into motion to make it happen. It will make more sense once you make the move. Or maybe you're getting more abstract instructions to work with the Earth's grids or the water or to transcribe some ancient text that no longer exists on this plane but wants to come back. Whatever it is, it is all needed. A new crystalline Earth is coming to life and it needs crystalline beings to live on it, in harmony with it. And I cannot wait to see what we collectively create. Okay, I will leave you there for this week full of love and possibility for where we're headed. Don't forget to check out the link in the show notes for the Earth Tenders Academy live workshop in Florida next month. And I will see you right back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.